From the beginning of his book, John engages us as spiritual thinkers. Now that's very important and different than the other gospels. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are coming into the gospel of John. We're going to start by studying chapter one, verses one to 13 in about two minutes time. So make sure that you stay there with us. Corey is also here with Ryan. Corey. All right, so I'm going to be looking ahead and also a little behind, depending on how you look at it. Uh, we're going to be focusing in on the triumphal entry and how that event fulfilled Old Testament prophecy. Ryan? Did Jesus cleanse the temple at the beginning of his ministry, or was it near the end? Well, the Gospel of John seems to be at odds with Matthew, Mark, and Luke on this point, and we're going to talk about it. All right, very good. Thank you. And Janice? Yes, today my segment is called From Genesis to Revelation. All right, open your Bible. John 1, 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. John chapter 1 and 2. This, this is an amazing gospel, the fourth uh, in the series in our Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I love this because it's really, really different than the others. Now, as you read the fourth gospel, the gospel of John, you will be able to notice how different it is from the others. First, the gospel is organized around seven miracles of Jesus and seven I am statements of Jesus. But John approaches the life of Jesus in a very different way. To open up his book, John makes it clear that Jesus is not only the Messiah, he is also the Son of God and the Eternal Word. Listen to 1 John or John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. John chapter 1, first three verses. Jesus Christ was and is God. So we begin John's book 
with somewhat of a mystery. I mean, how can God be Jesus Christ and still be God? John moves us beyond the simple physical understanding and engages our spiritual side. He doesn't just focus on the miracles and the events of Jesus' life. Instead, he focuses on our our attention is focused on Jesus and what it means for us as believers to believe in him. I mean, this is absolutely fascinating. And as we continue to read, I, I would simply pray that God uses this and touches you with it because he did, He does me every time we read it. Take your Bible guide and turn to the today's page. You can write or call uh, and get your Bible guide or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com. When you go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on it and it'll take you to a page where you can donate, but also a page uh, that you can download it exactly how we printed it. Let me say thank you for your donations. They're very important to us. And as we are in these times of great stress and great trouble and tribulation and all kinds of things happening, we are still broadcasting and we are here because you have been faithful to us and God, most importantly, number one, God has been faithful to us and we're just teaching his word and you are supporting us. So praise God for that. And today we're gonna talk about according to John. Father, I pray today, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would hear John and see him and understand what he's saying in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen. Understand what he's saying, because John has probably, before he wrote this, read the other gospels. So this is what John writes in chapter one. He says, in the beginning was the word, capital word, the logos, and the word was with God. And the word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Fascinating. From the beginning of his book, John engages our thinking as spiritual people. When we come to know the Lord, our spirits are made alive. That's something that we need to understand. Our spirits are made alive. Our spirits are not alive. And then when we invite Jesus Christ into our heart, suddenly our spirit wakes up. John knows that, and this is why it's important to read John after we become Christian. Now, the second part of this is fascinating. We go on in John chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. Here's what it says. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to Every man coming into the world. Every man. You see, John was the witness or a witness or a reflection of the true light, Jesus Christ. We are, you and I, if we are Christian, if we've invited Jesus into our life, we are all reflections of Jesus. His spirit, his Holy Spirit is inside of every Christian. Now, There are some people who say, well, I don't feel very holy. 
Well, neither do I, but I can tell you something. When the Holy Spirit comes, I am aware of it. When he erupts in my heart, I feel it. I sense things I haven't sensed before. When we are truly Christians, our lives become different because our spirits are awakened and there's senses and feelings and things we have that we don't, we haven't had before. And so that's something we need to recognize. The Holy Spirit is attempting to help us and take control. Now let's get on because this is really, this, this is really interesting. John chapter one, verse 10 says this. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. Now, there's a lot here, but let's just focus on this. To all those who receive him, we are new people in Jesus Christ. True children of God come through faith in Jesus Christ, Messiah. I like to tell people this. Before I was saved, I was Rod Hembry, just a guy. After I was saved, I became a new person. Because I was, John chapter 3, we'll read that tomorrow. I was born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. I was born again. What does that mean? It means that person who is dead inside of me is now alive. And God is using his Holy Spirit to nurture me. And I believe there are many Christians who are watching today who know exactly what I mean. Because the Lord has revived us. He causes us to grow. And every day when we read his word and when we pray and we focus our attention on who he is and what he has done, then what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to help us come alive. And suddenly God is working in us and we change. Nobody changes unless somebody changes them. And the one person who can change them is the Holy Spirit. He's the only one who can change them. So we need to keep that in mind. And as we focus on this, we need to commit ourselves because the word of God is God. We need to commit ourselves to reading the word of God every single day. It's not just important to read, but it's also time to pray. And we have prayer meetings three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 3.30 to 4.30 Eastern time. And we are live on the internet, on Facebook, YouTube, and of course, Rumble, and live on our website with time to pray as we pray for your needs and the needs of the world, praying and reading the Bible. God teaches us through that. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you clap and when you get excited, you are celebrating life. Do you understand that? Jesus Christ gave us life. But he promised that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Welcome back to the program. 
Today I'm dealing with an apparent contradiction between the Gospel of John and the other three Gospels, namely Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And here's the problem. According to John 2, Jesus cleansed the temple near the beginning of his public ministry, during the first of three Passovers mentioned in John's Gospel. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record that this event was near the end of his ministry, just days before his crucifixion. So who's right? Well, actually, they all are. Check it out. When it comes to the ministry and earthly life of Jesus Christ, the four Gospel accounts record a number of the same events. The baptism of Jesus Christ, the feeding of the 5,000, the triumphal entry, the Last Supper, and of course the crucifixion, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, just to name a few. On the other hand, there are many events which do not appear in all four Gospels, such as the Magi visiting from the East, the temptation of Christ in the wilderness, the wedding at Cana, Jesus stilling the storm, and the Sermon on the Mount. Certainly, one of the more high-profile acts of Jesus, which is recorded in all four Gospel accounts, is the cleansing of the temple in which he drives out those who had turned God's house of prayer into a house of prophet. Because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all make mention of this temple cleansing event, many readers assume that each gospel writer is recording the same event. However, this creates a contradiction of sorts, because while John places this event near the beginning of Jesus' ministry, according to the Synoptic Gospels, it was near the end of his ministry, just days before his crucifixion. So how are we to resolve this discrepancy? The answer is actually remarkably simple. These are two separate events. Jesus cleansed the temple both at the beginning of his ministry, as John records, and again near the end of his ministry, as recorded in the Synoptics. Believe it or not, there are several chronological markers which exactly confirm this conclusion. For example, consider John the Baptist. When Jesus cleansed the temple in John's account, John the Baptist was still alive. But in Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account, he was clearly already dead. Besides the chronological clues, there are other differences that set these passages apart. For instance, in John, Jesus was immediately confronted by temple officials, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke make no mention of this confrontation. Also, the synoptics record that following the temple cleansing, Jesus began to teach and heal people there, but there is no mention of this in John. Similarly, in John, Jesus fashioned a whip of cords to drive out the money changers, but the synoptics do not mention a whip at all. Even the words Jesus spoke while cleansing the temple, while similar in message, are distinctly different. In the first temple cleansing, the Lord says, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. But during the second cleansing, he said, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Thus, we come to the somewhat surprising conclusion that Jesus, on at least two occasions, cleansed the temple. So, believe it or not, these are two separate events. As John records, Jesus did cleanse the temple at the beginning of his public ministry, and he did it again just days before his crucifixion, as Matthew, Mark, and Luke record. Again, we know this because of certain chronological markers, like John the Baptist, who's clearly alive during the first temple cleansing, but is dead the second time around. And we also noted several differences between John's account and Matthew, Mark, and Luke's account. And it really shouldn't surprise us that Jesus cleaned house on more than one occasion. And pretty soon, he's going to be coming back to clean house again. But this time, it'll be the entire earth. The question is, are you ready? Well, if your life isn't right with the Lord, then now is the time to get your house in order. 
God, in his great mercy, has given us nearly 2,000 years of grace. He's given us chance after chance after chance to come to him. So don't wait. Do it today. Come to Jesus Christ. This is not the time to wait and play with God. So that becomes very, very important. And you know, John, it's suspected that he saw the other gospels before he wrote his. So we have to understand that John is more spiritual in nature and puts in some details that they don't have. It's a very different gospel, very important. Thank you, Ryan. Mm -hmm. Corey. All right, well, like I said at the top of the show, I wanna take a look at the event of the triumphal entry. And by that, I mean when Jesus came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey and people were praising him and the significance was not lost on the religious leaders and the Pharisees that had gathered in Jerusalem for the festival. Now, the triumphal entry is an event that is marked by the gospels as fulfilling a few different Old Testament prophecies. So let's just dive right into it. The triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem is recorded by all four Gospels. This event is remembered yearly by Christians as beginning the final days of Christ's ministry before his crucifixion. There are two notable Old Testament references recorded by the Gospels. First, they all have the crowd welcoming Jesus by laying cloaks and branches to carpet the roadway with cries of praise from Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is about victory and salvation coming from God to Jerusalem. It contains reference to the stone that the builders rejected becoming the cornerstone, a theme picked up on by the prophets Isaiah and Zechariah in reference to the Messiah and is used in the New Testament of Jesus. The significance of this was not lost on the Pharisees whose alarm is recorded in Luke and John. The second Old Testament reference is recorded in Matthew and John, and it's a claim that Jesus' entry on a donkey's colt was a fulfillment of the prophecy of Zechariah 9. John adds that this fulfillment wasn't immediately apparent to the disciples, but only after Christ's glorification did they connect all of the dots. Zechariah 9 says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. The chapter goes on to speak of the victory of God's people over their oppressors and how God, the shepherd and king, will save his people and give them peace. Zechariah's prophecy of the king and the donkey reaches back to Israel's history and her earlier prophets. The image of a king riding lowly or afflicted on a donkey recalls to mind King David. David, the man whose line the Messiah would come from. David was once forced to leave Jerusalem in mourning when his son Absalom successfully took the kingdom from him. The Bible tells us that the remaining family of rejected King Saul provided donkeys for David to ride. David is eventually vindicated and brought back to Jerusalem while struggling to prevent a civil war. David, the great-grandfather of the Messiah, was victorious over the rebellion, but he had been brought low by his own sin. Now, Zechariah saw the future Messiah victoriously and lowly entering Jerusalem on a donkey and securing great peace for the people. He no doubt reckoned back also to the prophet Isaiah's image of the suffering servant, a king in the line of David who suffered not for his own sin like David, but rather for our sin. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
a different kind of victory was coming for the people of God in Jerusalem, not one over a physical enemy, but over a greater and darker one. Their sin would be atoned for once and for all. Christ would fulfill his role as the suffering servant and take his place as the king who brings peace. Always, always interesting to see how uh, how the gospel authors really saw events in Jesus's life of fulfilling Old Testament prophecies, and then how they communicate to communicate that to us in a narrative format. I, I love taking a look at that. Yeah, it's very interesting, and uh, and as we focus on this, we need to consider the fact as we go through this gospel that the Lord is going to show us some interesting things. The Holy Spirit's going to make them uh, available to us. Corey, what are we doing? This coming weekend. <laughs> well, you know, there's only a couple of days left, but this coming weekend, we are having an in-person event at Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario, Canada. So if you live nearby and you want to come out, it's not too late to register, but please do register so that we know you're coming. It's free to register. Either call our office or go online. And, you know, I hope to see you there. I want to meet you. I want to see if you get the Bible IQ question because <laughs> I don't have to do it for once. Me and Ryan are off the hook, right? That's right. <laughs> so yeah, hope, hope to see you there if you're in the area. And if you're you're in Texas or you're in another part like, uh, part of the country like that, or you're in overseas, we'll get to you. We're, we're just doing this. is our first time doing it. So it's going to be Are we very streaming exciting. it? Are we live streaming it? I, I think we're trying to. <clears throat> we'll we're, see. We're, There'll be yeah. an announcement on our website. Yeah, because I didn't right. want to say it, but. Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, I just have to wonder it. You'll yeah. yes. be able to see it on our website if, if we are. That's right. Because we're trying tournament. to make it available to as many people as possible. Yes. And the truth is there's some people that even if they live in Ontario, they're not going to be able yep. to come. So schedules are busy. You'll be able schedules to stream it. But anyway, that, there, there you go. Uh, Janice. <laughs> All right. Now I've got to focus my mind from Genesis to Revelation. This book, the Gospel of John, oftentimes when people come to know the Lord and they've never read the Bible, this is the gospel that you are sent to, to read through as you are developing your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I just want to say that God's word is effective. He speaks and things come into being. And I love how John begins his gospel. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And it talks about all things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. And some people might say, well, that sounds rather familiar because Genesis chapter one, verse one says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And Genesis to Revelation, you've heard Rod talk about it before, from the very beginning of the book, this Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, it is written with the same theme, and that is about Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me be clear. Jesus is the eternal, preexistent word become flesh. Jesus is the one-of-a-kind Son of the Father who is himself God and that Jesus culminated God's plan of salvation. The Gospel of John, clearly, we're going to be reading it over the next few days. We're going to be talking about it in our segments to some degree at Faith Gospel on the 21st because we're in the book of John. The Gospel of John clearly teaches the deity and pre-existence of Christ. Together with the Gospel of Matthew, it provides the most striking proofs of Jesus as Messiah. You know, there's many who would say that Jesus was a good man, he was moral, but they nullify him as Messiah. They nullify him as God. They nullify what Jesus accomplished 
on the cross. Big mistake. Big mistake. And this program that you're watching right now, we believe that the Word of God is the Word of God, the authority of the Word of God. We believe everything that I just said here. And we want you to also build your life on this same foundation. It has changed every single one of us. It has healed us personally. And God has called us to bring you this word. Now, how you receive it is up to you. We're going to give you the message. We're going to teach from God's word. We're not always going to get it right. That's why you need to know what's in this word. You need to get this word, not only read it, but get it into your heart so that you know how to live properly because you're accountable to God. You're not accountable to us. You're accountable to God. And so if you are interested in going through the Bible, join us every single day and we'll take you through every year we've been doing this for 33 years from Genesis all the way through to Revelation. And some sections are really very difficult. And so we work at it together to know and to understand what God has written to us. Boy, someday when I stand before God, I want to be able to know that I have read his whole word in its entirety. I don't want to just pick and choose the verses and the, the areas that I like, that I enjoy. I want to read the whole thing because I'll tell you something, when you do that, when you take that time and you read it from beginning to end, and more than one time, some of you have been watching us for years and years and years, when you can start to make those connections, it is so exciting, isn't it, yeah, Rob? It, it oh really my is. goodness. And a lot of people have commented before, I read your letters, and uh, a lot of them will comment on the different areas. They love the archaeological and historical things. They, they love the apologetics, Ryan, and the science and the way that, that it all comes together. And they say it's, it's actually like you, you care, that you're excited about it. And, and we are. We are, aren't yes, we? Yes, we're very excited about <laughs> absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And I just want to say there's a, a information we got from a viewer who called in. Uh, about the name Henry, but she said that uh, her family is ham radio operators and uh, or his family ham radio operator. It's great. I'm a ham radio operator. You're too ham radio operator. You're not. I'm not. But those two are. But it's good. God is with us. Stay in his word. We'll go on tomorrow. Well, just a few more days and we'll be done, but I'm excited about it because in a few days, we'll be with you at Faith Gospel Tabernacle in Brampton, Ontario, the 21st of October, 1 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. I want you to come if you can. I'd love to meet you and we'll see you there. Corey's going to be there. Ryan's going to be there. Janice is going to be there. Let's pray. Lord, help us to grow. Help us to live as new creations, which you have made us in Jesus' name.